Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Warner, and we are in our midsummer hockey doldrums. Uh, we th- decided to do a, a little show this week with Derek Helling. Uh, he he covers business, sports business law, and, and covers that for fansided.com, also at D Helling Sports on Twitter. Uh, we're good, just looking at the general state of the NHL, uh, future expansion sites. Uh, relocation possibilities, stuff like that. Just, just an interesting general off-season topic where we're not so focused hard and heavy on what did the Vegas Knights do this week, or you know, covering the Stanley Cup final or, or anything. Just a, a general state of the league kind of a show. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome in, as always, my esteemed co-host Chris Lisa out on Long Island. Chris, good day to you, sir. Good day to you, sir. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a, I think a very interesting topic. Obviously. Things are very much in the news with Arizona and what's what's going to happen there. There's some questions there in terms of where do we stand with the with the building and and you know obviously there's an offer supposedly on the table for the Hurricanes and you know and we're going to also focus on Quebec City and Seattle with Derek and he he's uh, excellent. We we had him on during the year. Uh, yeah, think, for sure. Uh, specifically to talk about Carolina and he touched base a little bit on those other sites, but. I think he'll go deep. I, he's written a lot on the Arizona ownership and and building situation, and he knows this topic terrific. So, uh, yeah, really excited to have him on. And uh, uh, Monday's a big day, is it not, sir? We have uh, for the we're part of the Grandstand uh, Sports Network, and it's a big day for the for the website. Uh, you want me to give those details? Do you want to? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. We're we're joining. Uh, we talked about this a little bit uh, a couple shows back, and and we're we have been asked to join the inaugural launch of the GrandstandSportsNet.com. Uh, go go ahead and and yeah. and give a little bit of background on it. It's it's launching uh, official full launch on Monday, uh, and that'll be where Monday, where you can find uh, our show. And, uh, yep. 
Yeah, mon- Monday at midnight, as I- I've been told. And like you said, it's grandstandsportsnet.com. Um, I, yep. I believe it's going to be uh, a great sports site for uh, multiple sports uh, from the hockey uh, junkie standpoint. Uh, I know they're going to have their, their – I don't know how many podcasts like ourselves going to be on from the get-go. I know ours and Chad Danamici's Den- Den- on the Sabres. But it's really going to be a great hub for both sports information – uh, depending upon the sport you want, as well as podcasts. So it's going to be a really great uh, great site. We're thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, so Monday at midnight, I believe, but if not at midnight, sometime on Monday, July 31st, and this show will be up there uh, at that point in time as well. Uh, again, As well as all of our sports. shows. As well as all of our shows, okay. Uh, yes, I did not know that. That's good. Uh, so it's yep, again, Okay. It'll great. link all of our so shows a... autom- automatically through that side as well. So that's just another platform oh, to find okay. us. Uh, yeah, and again, it's GrandstandSportsNet.com. And uh, sometime in the next week or two, we'll have the details in terms of joining the Sportsology family and where you can find uh, the Vegas Hockey Podcast uh, with Russ Cohen uh, site with Sportsology as well. So, uh, you know, with that... Uh, you know, it, like you said, it has been a little bit of a quiet time, but I am of belief that August will uh, will have some moves, some trades, uh, maybe a free agent signing dealing with a, a Hobie Baker award winner. Um, so, uh, you know, the Leafs and the Yeah, that's an interesting situation. Yeah, and a, another tough day for the Avalanche. The Leafs and the Leafs are <laughs> the Leafs. The Leafs and the Wings are over the cap. Vegas has like 10 or 11 defensemen. You know, Montreal still wants to make a big deal. The Islanders are looming out there. And you got Willie Butcher, who, uh, and then Matt Shane, but you have Willie Butcher, who, uh, maybe we'll start with that one. How about the Avalanche? You know, I mean, you would think if you're a young player like Willie Butcher, what does it say about the Avalanche where they have a thin prospect pipeline? They don't have many defensive prospects in the system. They don't have many defensemen on their active NHL roster. I mean, if you're a young player like him, this is, again, they're not projected to be maybe a great team, but this is a prime opportunity for you for the quickest pass to the NHL, one would think. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to become a free agent. I'd rather become a free agent than than, uh, some of the avalanche. I don't know all the details there. And I believe he can sign uh, as of August 15th, if I have that correct. I mean that's a yep. that's a tough. Just it's just the hits just keep on coming for the Avalanche. I think they ran a disservice in how they've handled the Duchesne Landeskog situation publicly, and and we've talked about this. Um, if you can take your two big stars, right, and throw them under the they have, um, and then not move them even though you've publicly put them on the block and really leave them out there hanging over the summer they don't know you know uh, players see that players players aren't silly they're not dumb they 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 see what happens and if they can do that to the the what should be the focal point of that team going forward i don't know where else you what mr sackick has in mind to build around if if it's not those two players um 
players see that and and to be a young a young kid I don't blame him at all for not wanting to jump into a situation like that uh, with the uncertainty surrounding not just the roster but um the the view that front office has of the people on the roster it's 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 not a good situation I don't think that the avalanche have done themselves any any favors and the way they've done this, we, we, you know, the, what we use is he's not going to get on the bus because they just ran him under the bus. Um, and, and I, I, you know, you're a young kid, you're looking to start out your, your, <coughs> excuse me, NHL career. You're going to be tied to that franchise till you're 27 years old. Um, is that something you want to get locked down into? If you have the chance to be a free agent in, in less than, you know, three weeks and go see what else is out there. I, I, to me, that looks like the more attractive option. Does it not? Yeah, no, I, I, you're touch choppy, not terrible, but just a touch choppy. Uh, but I think you make an excellent point about butcher and, and that is, you know, player, you know, he, he, you know, he, other players see these things. And as much as it's a direct path to the NHL, one would think, uh, he might not, let's say, gee whiz, I don't like what is going on there, what direction is the franchise going. Um, uh, you know, you've heard Toronto mentioned. I know Vegas has a lot of defensemen, but, you know, again, this is the guy just starting his career. So if you want him, I would imagine he would get involved. Uh, a lot of the defensemen they have are, are going to be free agents, at the end of the year, that doesn't mean they can't resign, but you know, some will, you know, some might stay and some might go, as they, as uh, the Clash once said. So, uh, and I would imagine Vegas, you'll, you could see them still. Uh, I, I would imagine they're going to make a, a trade or two um, um, in terms of trading uh, a blue liner, um, you know, to a, to a team maybe like Toronto or Detroit. Uh, but both of those teams are over the cap, as I mentioned. I mean, uh, both teams are, I think, three to four million over the cap, and both have to sign a pretty good young forward in the lease in Connor Brown and the wings with uh, after Sume, as I butcher his name. Um, so that each one of those guys is going to get probably one and a half, maybe to two million. So they're going to both be about five million over the cap. So uh, that's 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 something to watch in terms of what are they going to do to to make a move to get under the cap. Yeah, I want to go back just just real quick. I'm not sure about that, but um, while you while you were talking about the Vegas thing there, and and obviously they have to move at least two defensemen. Why would you not take one of the guys you want to move and and give Sackick a call, trade uh, somebody who they can plug in on their blue line uh, in the NHL for the rights to the kid, and then you get your two weeks head have, start to, to try and sign a- him. I don't think that I don't. I'm not going to swear to this, but I don't believe they have his rights anymore. I believe he they, the window is closed and he's he's scheduled to be a free agent on on August 15th. And I think kind of like Jimmy Vesey last year, he wants to uh, you know uh, meet with different organizations and and get a feel where they're at. I think Toronto would be an excellent uh, situation because while the Leafs have a do have a pretty good prospect system, I wrote about this last year for another site that uh, when I was not writing outside about the Islanders, which I'm no longer doing. Um, 
uh, the Leafs don't really have a lot of great defensive prospects in their pipeline. They're, they're all the forward variety for the most part, uh, you know, getting into this year's draft. So he might look at that and say, hmm, there's a team going with the arrow pointed up, and I, 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 it could be a good opportunity for me. Obviously, Vegas would be enticing if they're interested. So uh, Detroit, obviously, would be another one uh, off the top of my head. So, um, yeah, I, I, again, if the kid uh, has talent and, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of teams interested, let's, let's face it. So, um, yeah, it will be interesting to follow to see where, where Willie Butcher – uh, uh, I don't know if there's any relation to Garth Butcher, but uh, the ex-NHL, ex-Quebec right. uh, defenseman. But, uh, yeah, we'll see where he winds up and um, uh, uh, from that standpoint. But, yeah, I do expect Vegas. Uh, but, you know, keep in mind, what they can do, too, everyone says, oh, they have to make moves. You know, guys like uh, Stoner and Englund who are on, you know, uh, not, you know, one more year to go, especially Stoner as a bit of a cap hit. You know, they could they could send them down to the AHL, and, you know, if they get claimed, so be it. You know what I mean? So uh, Yeah, that is an out for sure. Yeah, so especially Stoner, who has a $3.2 million cap hit, which I don't – and is, is like a sixth defenseman. I'm not saying just to dump him, but I'm just saying a push came to shove, and there's a deal not there to be made, and everyone's healthy heading into the season, they can move him to the – to Chicago, the AHL, and if someone claims them, they they get cap space. So you know? be it. So, uh, yep. so be it. You know, so there 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 are options there. It's not like they have to make a deal, but sure. I, I, I got a funny feeling. You, you know, a, a Merrill or uh, an Anglin or maybe a Stoner to pick up a draft pick for next year. We'll uh, we'll see at least one of those kind of deals uh, before uh, camp starts. Just for uh, odds on, uh, my my money's on Anglin remaining with the team just because of his Las Vegas connection. I think they took him as a marketing tool in addition to um, helping to be an ambassador in the community. He lives here full time. He has since he's played for the Las Vegas Wranglers years ago. And if if it's a favor to him to let him finish out his career in Las Vegas as a Las Vegas resident, it's also going to be a favor for him. He's already doing outtakes into the community and stuff like that. So my my guess is that he will continue to be on the the big club roster um, and yeah, not would, get I moved. And, agree with that. You know. He's not he's not too bad off on, on on the salary cap. I believe he's about a million bucks for next year, and then that's it. So, not a bad. I th- I think he stays as an ambassador to the community more than anything else. But but uh, Mr. Helling has joined us now. Um, I want to welcome into the show Derek Helling. Uh, he covers business law, sports business for Fansided. You can find him at D Helling Sports on Twitter. Derek, welcome again, once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast, sir. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's nice in the middle of a uh, humid Kansas City summer to talk about the best sport on ice. Yeah, how about it? Right, it's 105 out here today in Vegas. So, uh, just uh, just it's and it's and it's a good time to take a look at this topic because we're in the off season. The free agent frenzy's done. Um, everything's kind of settled down around here with the Vegas Knights, and and it, not that the excitement is gone, but the the mystery surrounding who's going to be here, who's not going to be here, and is is mostly settled. Um, 
but it's a good time to take a look at at the general state of the of the NHL, the health of the league, and maybe what the league might look like in three to five years down the road. So, uh, and and you're just the guy to do that. You you're you're plugged into the league as well as into the the, the business angle of things, which is definitely not any sort of strong suit by my part. <laughs> um, so what, just as a general, as a general kickoff question, how, what is the state of the league right now uh, with the new franchise coming in, but not able to bring in Quebec at the same time? Uh, just the general health of the league. Uh, what, what would your opinion on that be? I would say financially, it's probably as robust as it's ever been as far as the revenue coming in and profits being made off of that revenue, you've got a very small number of franchises, which didn't post an operating income from the past fiscal year and meaning that they didn't show a profit. And even those that didn't, um, it's not like they lost a huge amount of revenue. So I think that overall the, the financial health of the league is very robust. Um, some other areas like the PR angle, um, improvements could have, could be made there, especially Man, when isn't it, regarding uh, current litigation uh, around the concussion. But as far as the business angle, uh, things are pretty good. Yeah, isn't that always the case with this league? Is, is they, it seems like they get they're just like they take take Nashville as an example. That city's been growing its base for years. People that were not paying attention to Nashville the last five to seven years. Um, and, and saw the reaction to them in this year's playoff uh, were quick to jump on social media and talk about bandwagon fans and this and that. That's absolutely not the case in Nashville and could be a microcosm of any city that's growing the game, um, w you know, taking the right steps in the community, reaching out, uh, innovative innovative plans to get people in the arena. And we all know that once people get to a hockey game in person, it's just about a slam dunk that they will become a hockey fan because there's no game like it in person. It's the, it's the best in-person sport. Uh, I believe uh, that there is yes, um, where, where does that, the, the health of the league financially, it's always the case with this league that they just don't have that PR um, that push to get this team, you know, there's, they say the big four, but, you know, realistically NHL does lag far behind in revenue and everything else, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're not a healthy league, but there are a few spots we wanted to look at today that uh, let's say are maybe not so healthy, maybe not on life support anymore, such as, as Arizona seems to be stabilizing a little bit in the market. Where does Arizona stand on the, the recent stadium deal they had the, with ASU that got dumped? And then it, there, I, th I think there was another deal that has come, come up. Where, where does the Arizona franchise stand? Because for me and, and the, the, the Knights coming into the league, if, if the, both teams don't capitalize on the duel in the desert type of PR, I think both teams are doing a disservice to each other. Yes, I would agree with that statement. Um, one of the interesting things about that dynamic is that parts of Arizona are now in the, the Golden Knights television territory. Um, I'm not true. really sure uh, how the Coyotes necessarily feel about that. There, there hasn't been any statements um, made to 
a sentiment one way or the other, but I don't see really how that's how the Coyotes come out of making a statement at all, looking good. So it's probably Part, no parts of California from them. Yeah, yeah parts yeah, of Eastern San Bernardino County. TV deal. They sure, yeah, they sure did. Um, but back to more specifically the Coyotes, as far as where the stadium situation stands right now, there's two things that we know for sure. They're going to play the, the next season, 2017-18, at Gila River in Glendale. That's certain at this point. And right. Andrew Barraway is, is now the sole owner of the team. He bought out all the mi- other minority owners. That move was approved by the NH- all the NH- other NHL owners. So those are the two things that we know for sure right now. Above and beyond that, nothing is certain. As, as you mentioned, they were they had a proposal for a a new stadium near the grounds of Arizona State University that had that had gained some momentum. ASU then back then backed out and exited that deal altogether, which is pretty which pretty much made that dead in the water. Right. So right now they're kind of back to square one as far as a a venue to look at for long term. Um, the most viable possibility right now is downtown Phoenix. The Phoenix mayor, Greg Stanton, it has expressed many times his support for a new facility built in downtown Phoenix to house not only the Coyotes, um, but also the NBA's Phoenix Suns and the WNBA's right. Phoenix Mercury. Um, so that's probably the most feasible plan if you want to call it a plan right now, but there's <laughs> a wish for a lot of a wish to be jumped through. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's, at this point, it's, it's something that a lot of people want, but there's no real uh, fruition to it. There's a lot of hoops that would have to be jumped through. Um, it's very likely that the coyotes would be very interested if that were to become more concrete. Um, they want out of Glendale just as much as Glendale wants them out. Their relationship is, there is, has gotten pretty sour. Um, yeah. So a move to downtown Phoenix would be something that not only the Coyotes, but I think the NHL would also be uh, very excited about because anytime you, one of your franchises can get into a brand new facility, that's going to up the value of that franchise tremendously. For sure. And secondly, the league doesn't want to give up on Arizona as a market there's a lot more steps that they will take before they will relocate that franchise just because just because of the numbers aren't driving um so that would definitely keep the coyotes or some franchise in the arizona market for the foreseeable future if that stadium plan were to work out well as i said there's a lot of hoops that have to be jumped through before even renderings could be done for a facility there yeah, for sure. And I'm from the Phoenix area, and I know the 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 geography out there well. And when you go uh, out, 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 out to Glendale, um, it's it's inconvenient to say the least. On the right side of the freeway, or if you're going south from where my family is, or going north on the west, let's just say the west side of the free main freeway access to the arena there. Um, you can see the football stadium from 20 miles away in either direction, but, mm-hmm. and, and that, and that's fine. Uh, 80,000 people are going to go out to the Cardinals football game. You're 
on the west side of that freeway is pasture land and 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 desert. It's the yeah. end of the city for sure. Um, going downtown uh, somewhere near the the Arizona Diamondbacks baseball stadium is would be a great thing for that franchise because they have the infrastructure. They have the walk to the stadium with the shops and the stadium bars and, and the atmosphere already in place down there. So if they can do that kind of a deal and take advantage of some of the infrastructure that's already there and centralize the franchise, uh, <coughs> excuse me. I think that, I mean, obviously that would be the best case scenario and, and you know what? Good riddance to Glendale. If they, this, is, there's never been a great relationship and the the moves that they pulled in the last 24 18 to 24 months with uh terminating the lease and so on and so forth uh let let them sit there with an empty stadium that without an anchor tenant tenant if that's what they want and let them yeah. pay for the upkeep of it um good riddance to glendale but still like you said uh, kind of in flux. Uh, like you said, it's one season, uh, a one season lease in that arena for the Coyotes. Um, the, I guess the, let's say the, the jury is still out on what happens with the Coyotes franchise. Uh, let's move on. I, uh, the, the other, one of the other franchises that's been in, in flux in attendance wise and until like the last year or two on ice product has been less than desired. Also, uh, Chris wanted to talk with you a little bit about the Carolina Hurricanes. Chris? Hey, Derek, it's great to have you. Again, everyone, you can find Derek's uh, uh, writer for fans on business law, media, and tech. Uh, his Twitter account is at Helling Sports. Uh, great insights on so many different kind of topics. So the last time we had you on during the season, uh, Derek, we were talking about the soap opera known as the Camaro. It says, uh, you know, there was a report or an article last month, uh, I believe the number was $500 million in terms of a mm -hmm. local buyer, a local businessman buying the Kings and keeping them there. Uh, what can you tell us? Where does that stand? That would seem like, from a money standpoint, uh, I don't know what Camonos' uh, expectations were, but hard to believe it would get better than that. Uh, where does that kind of stand? And and we just kind of uh, put to an end in terms of uh, worrying about the hurricanes leaving Carolina. Um, first off, I want to say that in talking about NHL franchises which are in financial trouble or are threatened or uh, threats of relocation, it's really nice to not have to include my Florida Panthers in that conversation for once. I'm not saying that they're completely out of the woods, but it's nice to not have them not be at the front end of that conversation at this right. time. Um, moving on to the Hurricanes, however, um, you're, you're correct that $500 million for the Carolina Hurricanes, it, it wouldn't get much better than that. Um, local TV in Charlotte has reported um, this past Tuesday that the minority owners of the franchise met to go over the proposal that Peter Carmelos Jr. has supposedly received. And what the media reported from that is that none of the minority owners reported any red flags that they had with the proposal. So that's a good sign. Um, ultimately, whether or not to sell the team is up to Carmelos. Um, he's the majority owner and owns enough 
stake in the team that he could sell the team even without the support of the minority owners. However, it's obviously going to be much better for him if he's got at least the support of most of them because you can add them to the list of people that he owes money to. Um, That's right. There's a there's a report also from the local TV there in Charlotte that the minority owners would have an option to be part of the new ownership group that would be led by Chuck Greenberg. Um, not, nobody's confirmed or denied that yet because this is all <laughs> neither confirmed nor denied. Um, but that brings an interesting dynamic into it because this quote-unquote sale could be more of just the Greenberg group of investors buying out Peter Carmonos Jr.'s shares and replacing him as the majority owner as opposed to buying 100% of the team. So that changes things a little bit, um, mostly on the projected figure. I can't see that group of investors giving Carmonos $500 million just to become the majority owner. Um, last year, this franchise was evaluated at $230 million. So you're talking over twice as much as the current valuation just to become the majority owner franchise. Um, Marco Zanian of Forbes also reported that the final price tag wasn't going to be anywhere near that $500 million. So we'll end up seeing where that's actually going to sit. If indeed... This is simply just paying Peter Carmanos Jr. to go away. Yeah, and actually, my love, before handing you all back over to Mark, my last question uh, he's going to ask to talk to you about it. Go back. Well, my follow-up question, and last question on Carolina is, obviously, I, I, uh, from afar, it doesn't seem like they have uh, the best owner uh, uh, steering the ship, if you will. They'll see, with a new owner and hopefully a good one at that and a local one at that, they'll still have, you know, some challenges ahead of them, you know, where they're located in the state and, and uh, uh, you know, the, 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 in terms of, the, you know, is it a really uh, the greatest hockey market? You know, we can go on and on. But how much do you think it can only help, I would guess, even though we don't know much about this new owner, they, uh, it can only help in terms of comparing the last ownership group to someone else, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I just said, we don't know a whole lot about what, the, what Greenberg and his group um, and any of the minority owners who would stick around would be thinking as far as whether or not you keep the franchise in Raleigh. Um, you could oh, theoretically... Okay. Die- you could you could theoretically hypothetically move the franchise to Charlotte and you wouldn't have to change the name or anything. You could still be the Carolina Hurricanes and I and you could argue that that would be a better market um, right. for the franchise. But I'm um, going to reiterate a point I made last time in probably at the end of the day, whether or not the franchise stays in Raleigh is to a good deal up to the fans. Um, they can go a long way towards ensuring that by investing not only their money, but their time in the franchise. That's no guarantee. We've seen professional sport team owners relocate their teams when they thought they got, they had a better deal elsewhere, despite being um, in a robust market. But at least at that point, they wouldn't be able to use, they wouldn't be able to cry poor. 
a la the Baltimore right, Colts. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right, to, to your, to your point, uh, Mr. Goodell. Uh, but uh, going going on that. So so again, we're we're at we're at a city where that's it's we're still on the jury. The jury is out. Uh, we don't know if mm-hmm. they stay in Raleigh. We don't know if if they stay in Carolina. We don't know much of anything at this point except. I, I think everybody involved would agree that something needs to happen with the Carolina franchise and it, not just for the health of that franchise, but all, you know, you're only as, you're only as strong as your weakest link and mm-hmm. Carolina may be at this point in time, that weak link for the health of the NHL in general. Uh, but go looking at another city who I think would be a slam dunk to host a, National Hockey League franchise, but because of economics and business, was not successful in landing a franchise this time around in expansion. Uh, Quebec City, I I believe, and I've said this from the start that I wish we had gone gone into the league with Quebec City for a couple of different reasons. Uh, number one, you would have a, a dichotomy of the most traditional hockey market against the most non-traditional hockey market. Uh, they know how to do it. They've done it before. They, you know, the people in Quebec are, are hockey rabid fanatics. There's, uh, there's no question about the the fans supporting the team there. And the, the non-traditional desert team would be able to, you know, have a measuring stick, if you will, to hold ourselves up against going in with Quebec city at the same time, I've always been a fan of Quebec cities and Nordiques 2.0 to come back into the league. But what, what specifically was, was the business side? It was it just the uh, American dollar versus the Canadian dollar this time around, or is there something to be said about keeping that Quebec city in a back pocket in case uh, something in Carolina doesn't happen? Or if this one year out in Arizona, doesn't come to a longer term deal with an arena uh, to have a landing spot for a team such as that. Uh, Was that part of the equation as well, do you think? I think that probably it's a combination of both and some other things. Um, From the business side, it was not only the perceived strength of the loon against the dollar. Um, Actually, there was a report that came out last night um, about a surge in value for the loon. So that's not only good for the Quebec city's um, case, but for the NHL as well, because they've got a lot of money, obviously tied up in Canadian investments. Um, But the tax structure in Quebec as well, it's one of the highest tax rates, not only compared to the United States, but in Canada as well. So that's a lot of reason why Vegas was a lot more appealing. There's no state income tax in in Vegas and some other, in Nevada and some other things. Um, and as far as you, you hit on one of the one of the big points that I wanted to bring up, Quebec City is um, having Ville de Quebec, as the locals would call it, uh, sitting empty as far as the NHL goes, is a huge point of leverage for existing franchises to where they can simply throw that gauntlet down on the table if they're, if things aren't going their way and say, fine, well, I'll just move my franchise to Quebec City. So obviously if you expand to Quebec, to Quebec City or relocate a franchise there, that's gone for, our, right. for the other franchises who are wanting to use that bargaining chip. 
Um, there's really no other place in the United States or Canada which is so turnkey for an NHL franchise. Um, not only is the facility, but as you mentioned, the fan base already there just waiting for a franchise um, to to love on. So the uh, I mean, Kansas City might become another, a new place for that, but it's but as I said, it's not as attractive. Parking would be a huge issue at the Sprint Center as it currently sits, and I'm really not sure that the Kansas City Metro can support uh, four franchises amongst the big four in MLS at this point. Oh, um, but I but I agree with you in that. It would that it would be a great place for the NHL to expand to, not only because of the fan base and the facility being there waiting, but you would have an immediate and natural um, rivalité or an English rivalry yep. with uh, yeah. the, with the habitants with the Canadians right there. Um, so I think that it's on the short list when the NHL looks to expand again, but that's nothing that's going to happen immediately. If you had to lay some money down in five years, is there a Nordique's, fra- Nordiques franchise in Quebec City? Within five years. That's a tough I time say, frame. I picked five years on I, purpose. Yeah. I was thinking I would, exactly the same. Within, yeah, within five years, I'm, within five years, I would bet no just because of the bargaining chip value and the fact that the NHL would probably rather get the Arizona stadium situation resolved first before they look to expand and add a 30-second franchise. But what about within 10 years? At 10 years, I would, I would bet on that. Okay. I would bet within a decade, yeah. That, that'll lead us to um... – and that's unfortunate because if you wait eight years to put a team into that arena, it's it's already eight years out of date. Yeah, you built yeah, this beautiful new arena, and yeah. it is a beautiful new arena. Uh, there's no question about yeah. that. And it's gonna they're uh, letting that sit empty basically. I mean, you might have concerts or the circus or monster truck rallies come mm-hmm. through, or, or you know, you you could use it to host some. Hopefully, get involved with some junior tournaments, or maybe the world championships could make a trip down to Quebec City. Um, those kinds of events are are a a one off. You know what I mean? They don't have an anchor tenant there. Yeah. Um, well, that's going a, to. They have a junior. They have a junior. Yeah, they have the rip parts there. for they, sure. Yes, but, they do. Yeah, and they, and they, they have the rip and they routinely draw like fifteen thousand a game. Yeah, yeah, and there's nothing Recently. that would that, that would stop the NHL from from having Winter Classic games or you know World Cup of Hockey games or um, or All Star festivities in the city just to kind of try things out and get sure. a feel for Quebec City in the meantime. Well, they did that with the junior well, tournament, the junior championships, uh, right when they opened up that year. And, you know, the general consensus at the time was the Remparts were playing for the for the cup in that tournament and did not sell out the arena. And there was a lot of head scratching uh, at the time, if I recall correctly, that there, the, you know, the hometown teams was playing and there were six, seven thousand tickets available at game time. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, with the one-off events, it, it's a uh, but nothing could beat an anchor tenant of an NHL franchise for, for that of course. facility. Yeah. And to, 
believe it said empty and I'm I'm just a nobody guy, but that just seems a waste of an asset to me. Um, but the, then compare and contrast, I know Chris wanted forward uh, looking at Seattle. And if there's a definition of a, a stadium issue, <laughs> you, we don't have to look any farther than Seattle, do we, Chris? No, and I actually, I would say this, and I, I want to preface this in terms of, and then Derek can take the take the ball and run with this. My question about Seattle, and, and as a preface statement, and that is, Derek, if I was in the NHL front offices, and you, we said in the next five, ten years, we have thirty-one teams. We're definitely going to go. I feel like we want to go to thirty-two, and I would look at the North American map. And I would say, okay, where would be, where should we move or have the, our next franchise uh, to? And Seattle, I believe, is uh, the 12th largest market in the country, uh, which is pretty pretty good. It's a it's a sports hungry uh, uh, market with the Mariners and obviously the Seahawks. There's, you know, they would be expanding the map, which Gary Bettman. It's probably been uh, one of when you look at his pros and cons as commissioner, that's definitely been a big pro that he has done. You know, you, you're not just getting the state of Washington, but probably the state of Oregon, maybe. Uh, the Portland Winterhawks uh, do do well in, in the WHL, as does the Seattle Thunderbirds. So there is a bit of, you know, a hockey market there. So given all that, one, am I wrong with my mission statement there that, if I, if I was in the NHL offices, the, the market I want to see happen in the somewhere in the near future it, to be added to the NHL roster of cities is Seattle. But but am I wrong in that mission statement? And then the second part of that is going to be you could now tell us the issues at hand of making that a reality, which are many. No. Um. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't say at all that you're wrong about that. There's, Seattle is very appealing for the reasons that you listed and many more. The the issues right now. I mean, the biggest right now is that right now there's no NHL ready facility, not even one that probably could be converted at this point. Um, as you're probably aware of, there are two competing proposals to make that happen at this time but neither of them have gone to the point of actually beginning either renovation or construction. So right now, as things sit right now, it's a non-starter as far as the NHL is concerned. Just as we talked about already uh, regarding Phoenix and the downtown stadium, it's a wish at this point. Um, Now, either construction of a new arena in the Soto District or the renovation of the key arena, which looks much more likely to happen could fix that problem but that's going to be at least a couple maybe three years off before that becomes a reality in seattle um i really don't think the soto project is going to happen at all the the city council seems to be have been pretty intent on just simply redeveloping the key arena for the past few months and even to the point where they've done some as I've written about some un, some uneth- unethical things uh, on several, I agree with that. To, I agree to, with that. To make sure that that, yeah, to make sure that that happens. Um, so that's pretty much where things sit in Seattle right now. It's I think it would 
as I already said with Quebecia, I definitely think it's on the short list for places to expand to. Um, and I think that as the redevelopment of the key arena goes forward, that the NHL is going to do all it can to do its due diligence and look out for its interest in that facility. Um, but that's probably at this point, all the resources that they're going to invest in Seattle. Now I'm going to piggyback from what Mark's question from before about Carolina, but I'm going to tweak it a bit. Five years from now, is there, within five years, is there mm -hmm. an announcement that Seattle will become part of the NHL? Not that they're playing in five years, mm -hmm. but let's say there's an announcement that they they will be become part of the NHL within the next five years. What, what, what I percentage think that, would you give on that? Uh, for just an announcement? Um, yeah. I would say that probably... I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I'm gonna go eighty percent on that. Wow. Because because wow. I because th knowing knowing what we know about the Oakview Group, which is the group that that the, that Seattle has had in its back, that the city of Seattle is, is that the city council has had in the back pockets and been in cahoots with this whole time, as far as the key arena and the stadium projects went. Um, as you, as you probably knew, that group's headed up by Tim Lewecki, who's a former NHL right. um, front office mogul. Um, and so the connections are obviously there. I'm pretty sure at this point that that's going to happen, and the NHL is obviously probably going to have its hand in and be involved in that every step of the way because I really think that – it's going to be developed as a mixed-use facility, not only for hockey, but for basketball as well. Um, but I think that the NHL timeline for for adding a 30-second team is going to be a quicker process than the NBA expanding to Seattle. So I think that that is going to be a big reason why you're going to hear at least an announcement in the next five years of Seattle being added as a 32nd franchise. I think that Seattle, I think Seattle gets a team, unfortunately, before Quebec city does. Um, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Seattle effort as well. I think that, uh, as you mentioned, the city council has done a little shady work. I think they've soured on Chris Hansen. Um, and then yeah. that portion of that, now that that memorandum of understanding has uh, has or is about to expire and allow them to go into the different directions, financing as well as location wise. Um, and another thing with Tim Lewicki, not only does he have his Kings experience and his Maple Leafs experience before that, he's an executive with AEG. So he has arena management and development experience at the highest levels as well. AEG, a well-known leader in the in the field of arena development and management. So he seems to be unique. When I first heard his name associated with a new effort in Seattle, uh, that's when the bells went off for me that that that. I think Mr. Lewicki can make that happen. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe Jerry Bruckheimer also is bringing some money into that group. Is that correct? That is correct. So, I mean, so Bruckheimer, so the NHL ties are, are quite plentiful there. Absolutely, yeah. which is, is more so than the Soto ties in the Memorandum of Understanding, which required the city to – 
lend public funds to the project only in the event that the NBA had already committed to placing a franchise in Seattle, which Commissioner mm -hmm. Silver has said it will not happen anytime soon. So that was a, a huge freeze yeah. on the Soto project from the start. And I don't think Gary Bettman was very pleased to be pushed into the, okay, and then if that happens, we'll put some money in and NHL is as a second fiddle to the whole Soto arena uh, program. Um, I don't see that being anything Bevin would want to be associated with, whereby having uh, Bruckheimer was almost successful. He, he was quoted recently here in town saying he believes if the economy hadn't tanked in 09, 010, that he had a verbal agreement from the league where he would bring an NHL franchise to Las Vegas at, at that time. So, He's been yeah. he's been hungry for an NHL team for quite some time, and I think if you pair that money and Lewicki's experience and the other players involved, in I would have to be a betting man because that that group doesn't get it done with the Key Arena re remodel. Um, as you say, a lot of hurdle to um, cross, and a lot of a lot of T's and I's to be crossed and dotted, if you will. But to have those those two guys paired up together is is a huge step forward than the Chris Hansen group, in my opinion, in, in the Seattle. Would you agree with that? Yes, I absolutely am. Um, kind of as we've already, already alluded to, I think that as soon as the Oakview group, um, which Bruckheimer and Lewicki are involved with, expressed interest in redeveloping the key arena, that was effectively the end of the Soto Arena project as far as the cooperation and the easement from the city went at that point. <coughs> excuse me, excuse me. <coughs> well, we are just about out of time for today. Um, always interesting, Mr. Helling, to, to talk from this Thank angle of, of the sporting life um, to get the insight that we have from the business aspect of things because when you take that and then extrapolate it to what the league may look like here in in three five eight ten years down the road it, it the numbers you know they always say follow the money um so it's Absolutely. always interesting to talk to you from that perspective chris do you have anything else for for derek this afternoon no it's great to have you on again derek and we look forward to hopefully having you back during the season when i'm sure you know, one of these issues becomes prominent in some way. One of these cities, I'm sure something will bubble up, and uh, we'll look to you for uh, for the insights uh, on that. And, again, everyone, you can follow him at Helling Sports on Twitter. And, uh, again, great read on all these kind of issues. And, you know, and he's written some great stuff, including his latest article on the NFL and concussions, and he's done the same on the NHL as well. So we look forward to having you back, Derek. I look forward to returning. Thanks, Derek. All right. Th th thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you down the road. That was Derek Helling. Sounds good. Have a great day. Thanks, Derek. So, again, we, we uh, had, a, had another great conversation on this topic, and I have a feeling that with the, the Vegas connection that we're going to be continuing down this road and looking at other possibilities for relocation as as and expansion as – as our show continues to grow, um, and we, really? we've you, 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 well, well, just the the from from what we're doing and being able to 
you know, talk with the guys in Seattle and talk with the guys in Quebec City and and talk with the guys in Carolina and have this this these relationships with us and these other communities has grown. Um, our in our insight and Derek's insight into perhaps what they may be about to or continue to be going through. Um, if you're in those markets, uh, you guys got to follow Derek Helling at Derek Helling Sports or at D Helling Sports on Twitter because he is all over these issues, as you could tell uh, with our conversation today. Yeah, like I said, clearly I was, uh, I guess I shouldn't be based on my premise of Seattle. But obviously when he says 80% within the next five years of, again, of an announcement that the Seattle will be joining the NHL, uh, that's, that's a pretty, I mean, there's, there's reason for that. But that even took me by a little bit of surprise. But uh, like I said, he knows these details a lot better than I. So, uh, uh, but from afar, it would seem to me that that would be the number one choice of market to add. No, it for the reasons I just stated, with all due respect to all the other markets. So, uh, yeah, so it's great to be back and do a summer show. We're going to do this is the first of two summer shows, if you will, in terms of the peak summer. Uh, We're going to hopefully do another one. Uh, We haven't stated set yet, but uh, maybe the middle to third week of August, and that will be a, we'll have a similar thing, a quick uh, breaking the ice, and then we're going to have a Vegas uh, guest. We're working on different ideas with that. So uh, um, we're, we're, it will be a Vegas orientated uh, guest and, uh, and hopefully there'll be a couple other things uh, to look at as well going around the league. But uh, again, everyone check out grandstand sports. We'll keep you posted. Look for tweets from, from both of us regarding sportsology, but time again, it's grand sports. GrandstandSportsNet.com, the website. There you go. Monday, July 31st. And uh, looking forward to it. And, and uh, you know, uh, again, another great show with you, my friend. And uh, uh, it's a fascinating topic to me. Unfortunately, during the regular season, there's so much going on. It's hard for us to delve in, to have a whole show just on this. So this seems like the perfect time to do it. Absolutely. And it's always good to be, you know, we're, we're talking hockey, but we're not so focused on, I mean, you know, the format of our show, we look, like to highlight uh, the Vegas Knights and, and the UNLV hockey market and then uh, get into another market and focus specifically on, you know, that team and, and what's going on with that team and where's that team at and where are they going to be and, and all those kinds of things where we're focusing on that you know, rigid of a, of a topic every week. And it's nice to have a broader topic and let the conversation roll where it likes to go. Those are always my favorite shows to do um, the, with like the Jillian Fisher shows that we've done. And the, those kinds of things are always a lot more fun and loose than, and also informative. Don't, don't get me wrong. We're not all, uh, you know, pork chops and applesauce trying to get down to business. There's a little bit of ice cream involved as, as well when we get to do these fun kind of shows. So always up my alley for sure. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we would love for everything to work out in Carolina and Arizona for the big picture and uh, and love for things to work out for Seattle and Arizona, but uh, and not anything happens to any other team, but that would team. So uh, it will be interesting to see how these things play out, but Clearly, Quebec City is, um, uh, 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 like Derek said, it, 
kind of thing, you know, looming out there. If things don't work out for an individual market, you have some place uh, the following year. So, um, um, you know, uh, again, I'm really rooting for Quebec City. I remember growing up and watching the Sassany Brothers and Michel Goulet and and I know it's not the biggest market, but uh, the, that that arena would be packed every night. Uh, obviously, there's other issues involved as well. But anyway, uh, oh, I'm I'm rooting for that to become a reality. I, I yeah, I I am as well. I'd I'd love to see the Nords 2.0 back there. Um, I think I gotta agree with with Derek though. I think. I think the NHL is very disappointed they weren't able to get Seattle in at the same time as Las Vegas. I think they would have done just about anything to get it as short of letting, letting that franchise choose the key arena, which is, it does not fit for hockey. Um, If they had come up with any sort of a, a proposal at the deadline for expansion, they could have, I mean, they could have probably come up with a proposal that said they'd play their first two seasons outdoors at the Seahawks football stadium and been, been granted a franchise. That's how bad I think that the, the, the league wants a NHL franchise on the American side of the Pacific Northwest border that, I mean, seriously, I I think that anything just about would have landed Seattle franchise and they literally at the last minute had three groups that were supposedly going to put in competing bids for the thing and none of the three could muster up the the applesauce again to to put a bid together so I I think that the league would prefer Seattle and then Quebec as a you know, like like Mr. Helling said, a, a bargaining chip for relocation if necessary. Um, but uh, I don't know how long you'd leave that building, it, it, you know, void of a of a National Hockey League franchise. And then then what you got to do in eight years, require him to upgrade to the new 5G broadband, blah, 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 whatever that has to be taken before you can put a franchise in there is upgrade a brand new facility that's hardly ever been used. It's it's kind of weird. Kind of weird situation. Well, with that, my friend, another good show in the books. And again, everyone keep uh, keep an eye out. We'll let you know. We'll definitely do another summer show, uh, probably the middle to third week of August. And uh, you know, and we'll take it from there. And, and until then, uh, I guess everyone keep keep on keeping on with a good summer. Yes, sir. We wish all of our viewers across the pond a fantastic rest of the summer look for a moment sometime in a couple weeks as we line up our next guest uh for this week however for mark and we're gone